Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Firon. This conversation with Rich Madera could be titled, He's Up to It Again. He's Got Something New, and He's Going to Learn His Way Through It. I guess that's too long a title. <laughs> but I've known him since 2007 when he graduated from my school. He was one of my very memorable students. And over the years that we've been in touch, he's on the edge of trying something new looking over into the open question of uncertainty and saying, should I go this route? And he has every time succeeded. And now he's in a new role, which you'll hear about. I won't go into describing it at this moment, but I, I must tell you that from a, from a practice standpoint, Rich has all of the ingredients that Peter Vale and I speculated on and conjectured on in in the book on practice as a way of being in fact rich remembers the device i used in the organization behavior class with him was human being b-e-a-n humans being organizations and you'll hear him remember that how many years later so he, he is a truly interesting human being rich madera Wow, this is uh, this uh, a conversation I've been looking forward to for quite a while. I know if you're watching the series that you'll see in recent time I've had three or four former students, and I can't have enough contact with former students to feed my enormous ego. <laughs> and one student from Rich Way, where? How far back do we go? I think we go back to 2007 or eight or so. Oh my God. Uh, that's a long time back. Uh, and yet I still remember Rich and partly because from time to time, uh, I've always enjoyed a call from him where he's saying, doc, I'm, I'm on the edge of a decision <laughs> about my career. Should I go this way or that way? And of course I always say, do what you think is best, and but we do talk, and I and I enjoy uh, getting getting a sensation of of Rich's very intentional navigation of how he wants to practice, uh, and I think the track the practice over time has emerged into being a very uh, capable trainer uh, and one who uh, I'm trying to find the other word. Oh. Uh, so this is a chance for me to toss in Rich's title. He is a senior training and enablement specialist. I love that piece for digital philosophy. And that's what we'll talk a bit about today in particular for a company called CDW. And First, Rich, I'll give you a chance to pitch on CDW, but first I want to know what where the word enablement came in. Oh, interesting question. Um, so depending on who you speak with, whether they have a, a sales uh, background or if they have a leadership background, you might get different 
versions or different definitions of the word enablement. Mm -hmm. And you might get different perspectives on the value that that type of title brings to an organization. To me, I think enablement, it extends beyond the practice of training people and Mm -hmm. just just, uh, delivering informational sessions. For me, enablement is a combination of knowledge transfer, uh, removing barriers to success, and of course, providing the tools that one would need to succeed in whatever undertaking uh, they're, they're about to begin. I, so I for, love it. I love yeah. it. So enablement it, to me is not just a training thing. Yeah. It's, it's a, it encompasses many, many moving parts of an organization. Yeah. And, and uh, someone who had the wisdom to create that uh, opportunity for you uh, should be congratulated. Or did you come up with that yourself? No, this was an internal opportunity within the organization. I saw it. I was looking for the next big challenge. Mm-hmm. And I saw what they were asking for within this internal position. And I said, hey, I can do those things. And when I talked to the hiring manager, they seemed to agree. Um, and it's, it's been a pretty interesting uh, journey so far. How long have you been in the role, Rich? This is a brand new role that was just opened at the uh, first quarter of this year. Um, they started looking for it around February and March, and I applied in April, and I took over the reins in April. Uh, so Wow, you haven't even taken the wrappers off it yet, huh? No, the best part is we're still trying to figure out exactly what it is that I do because it's a pretty broad definition and a pretty broad scope, but that's half the fun to me. Oh, and, and, and folks, you just heard it. Uh, when I pick clips up for uh, featuring this on LinkedIn and, and Facebook and, and Twitter, it, it, that would be one of the ones <laughs> that I might choose because um, it, that's the, uh, it's really part of my excitement in reaching certain students from my past because I can remember Rich was a go-getter uh, in my classes. Uh, I think you used to sit and, maybe team three toward the back of my room. Uh, and, uh, and I threw you guys into one exercise after another for the semester with the intention uh, that you would either come out crazy or you'd come out eager as a learner to try new stuff. <laughs> and you came out eager as a learner to try new stuff. And you have also been in the sales domain during these years of training leading up to this one now. So uh, the people you're um, primarily training and, and enabling in the sales force for CW, uh, CDW? Uh, it's actually, it's interesting how my, my role has sort of, uh, it has an inward facing uh, aspect to, to the, the business unit itself. And then there's an external facing component where we work with what, what we consider our legacy or traditional inside sales force. So okay. I, I'm responsible for upskilling and uh, creating some sort of a cohesive uh, plan for all of those folks. Inside people, now the ones who will take the, um, take the calls from potential or actual customers in terms of in, in changing their service uh, configurations, that sort of thing. So it's a relatively complicated job, isn't it? It can be. Um, I I think that I'm on the easier side of the things that we do in digital velocity. Um, 
there, there's some other folks out there that are way smarter than me uh, operating in the field and some incredible solutions architects uh, and business development managers that we work with that just know this industry inside and out. So from that perspective, I'm a relative newcomer to the some of the things that we sell or some of the sales motions that we go through. But sales has been uh, you know part of my career since uh, right out of out of class with you in you know 2010. I, yeah, my very first sales job. Yeah, and and, and uh, I think there is something we've learned a lot about, and in, in, in looking at businesses, not everyone is uh, set up to sell, um, even though it's crucial to any kind of business to do so. And and you certainly had those jobs, and uh, and it's good that you do it, and yet you really want to help others learn it. You know, and you could probably stay in the sales channel. And, make yourself uh, uh, a bit more money and, you know, maybe have a little less uh, complexity to deal with, as you will, in this role. Um, it, it's a new role for you. And now I want to talk about digital velocity, because that that certainly caught my eye when I, when I looked at your update on LinkedIn. Digital philosophy. Mm-hmm. Velocity. I keep saying philosophy, don't I? It's funny though how those two, age. It, 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 you know the philosophy of what we do um, is is kind of unique. So there is a philosophy, a digital philosophy to digital velocity. You could say. Okay, great. Let's talk about both. <laughs> sure. So digital velocity is a it's this it's a business unit within CDW uh, proper, and this is sort of the execution arm of our technical services aspect. So uh, being that CDW is the leading solutions and uh, integrated solutions provider in the markets that we serve, we also have this really incredible consultative arm a strategic and consultative arm that can work with a client to truly understand what are the technical requirements, the business requirements, uh, and the business outcomes that they're trying to accomplish. And then what we'll do is take a look at those goals that the customer wants to achieve, and we'll back into the technology family or uh, the technology groupings and, and services that are going to help the customer achieve that goal. So what what's interesting about the approach that we take, it is an outcomes-based approach. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the end of the day, we're a partner agnostic organization. So I don't care if you're, you're, um, you know, you prefer brand A, brand B, or brand C, we're going to go with whichever one of those is truly going to fit the outcome that you're looking for. Okay. So it's it's a really nice, there's a good philosophy within the organization uh, in digital velocity. Oh, it's that's the name of the uh, the subunit of the business, digital velocity. Does it when you are working with these customers, is speed an issue for them too? Is this is is that an attraction that that they want to be able to have the highest possible uh, efficiency for uh, flow, so that they can get their data quicker, they can get everything done quicker. Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. That's uh, I'm actually really glad you asked about speed because we do have uh, a mindset around that. So when you when you look at the true definition of velocity, it is the combination of speed plus direction. Ah, so that's true. 
So when we think about that from a customer's perspective, maybe you have an organization that has some really great talent and great capabilities to drive their business forward at a, at a pretty rapid pace. And then on the other side of that, maybe you have an organization that you know, they've got the idea, the ideation of what they want to accomplish and a strategy in mind, but they don't have the resources to execute. So that's when we say we can provide both speed and direction, that's what we mean. And the, the outcome that the customer gets from that is competitive distance. I, I don't like to say competitive advantage because, uh, I mean, I don't know, that, that's kind of, uh, that's a little fuzzy wuzzy to me. With yes, competitive distance, you can say, I am this much better than my competition, or we do things this much faster or sooner or whatever your measurement of success is. Yeah, it, 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 it means there's a, there's measures and there are measures in place either at the industry level or within uh, the sector that you're, you're focusing on at the time. Uh, it's funny because uh, I'm on a particular carrier that uh, advertises uh, 300 BPS when I first came on this carrier, it was 30. And that would be around the time I retired six or seven years ago. So I, I thought, well, 300 should do it, you know, for my podcasting and the, all of this. And then I, they said, well, we'll give you a chance to try our 700 and something course speed. <laughs> so I flipped up to the 700 and it was really, I could tell a difference. Uh, and, and right just before this call, I, I was frustrated because I was on the call with my editor and, I, and he was, you know, we were flipping uh, different files around and looking at things. And, and I noticed maybe the tiniest slowness compared to what I was used to. So I called my carrier and I said, put me back to ultra. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's funny that you said that because when you look at the what the research tells us um, you know about customer experience just uh, you know i think according to a gartner report if or an idc if i'm not mistaken um, you know it was that customer experience that overtook price and product as the primary driver so yeah. and in, and in fact what we found is that you know nearly 6 out of 10 customers are willing to leave their current vendor for a better experience elsewhere yeah so you know you're you're talking about something pretty timely here yeah and uh it is an interesting coincidence the the uh and of course that feeds into direction again because in order for your customers to have the distance you know created as you you promise part of that is uh pretty close to flawless uh transaction whether it's ed uh, the electronic uh, billing or whatever the, the device may be now what about equipment itself i don't want to get too much into your weeds but you mentioned this you, you were agnostic in regard to that do if a new customer were to come along, the first thing I assume you ask them is, well, how, how are you set up now? And then do you look at equipment changes as, as well as um, digital access? Yeah. So, um, you know, for as far as a first step goes, I would probably leave that 
direct to one of the, you know, like the business development managers or somebody who is more of a customer facing role than I am. Okay. Uh, but to, to talk to the, this idea of hardware, uh, we, we kind of have to go back a little bit into the history of where CDW came from, because, you know, for the better part of the last 34, 35 years, CDW is one of the biggest um, technology uh, companies that you've never heard of because mm-hmm. of our, our span and our logistical capabilities. You know, we're nearly a, a $20 billion organization um, just a, a couple of years ago. And most of that bread and butter w- was built on the hardware sales that we could provide. So wow. you think about desktops and servers and, you know, all yeah. of the software and the peripherals that go with that. But the challenge is and and you can see this anywhere that you go, whether it's Amazon or Costco or you know Best Buy, um, technology is is a commodity now. In this yep. Case. Yep. So if I can go, if I if I think about the customers that we support, both private sector and public sector. I mean, even you know the the universities and the K to twelve systems and mm-hmm. state and local government systems. Um, if if I can just go to Amazon and get the thing, um, what makes CDW so different? Why you know? know? And so we're looking. We have to consider ways to differentiate ourselves in the market when you know, the, these product led conversations or these product fueled um, business deals are just no longer going to cut it. It's, it's, it's one of these adapt or, or fade kind of moments. Well, that's incredible. And you're right there. You're right there on the, on the, uh, on the, uh, now I want to say the bleeding edge, cause that's an awful uh, notion, but it, it, you are uh, where the stakes are high then for this, um, it's funny to think of, of of a company like yours as old. It's probably only thirty or so years old. But in the terms of the internet world and the um, and the techno and the te- technology world, uh, that's a very uh, short life. I mean, when you were there, um, we were just barely figuring out how to use uh, something like Blackboard, and 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 I was doing a lot of uh, experimenting on that because I wanted you guys to experience the future, not, not the present or the past. But um, the, what I'm hearing now, though, is going to the point you are in your group really attuned to that customer experience because if they've got their hardware and cables and all the rest one way or another. So what are they asking for now to give them that bump, that extra uh, advantage? I think it, we have to go back to the outcomes. Um, you know, when you when you work with, I'll, I'll use a very boilerplate example of this, but let's say, you know, you're interested in a new vehicle and you want to go and find that new set of wheels, you know, for Doc Veron and, you know, what's that going to look like? You have a goal in mind. You're right. We're both New Englanders. So all wheel drive is probably on the top of that list. And, yeah. you know, Hey, maybe, maybe we're interested in some, some higher level fuel economy and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, so we're going with a more efficient engine of some kind. Right. So we, we have our requirements in mind, but at the end of the day, it all, you also have to understand that the customer isn't always right. Sometimes they don't know what they don't know. Right. And part of our role is to help them understand, uh, you know, from from the expertise that we bring to the table, we'll we'll take you know, there's plenty of organizations out there that will take orders. Right. 
they'll take orders and they will gladly ask, do you want fries with that? And they will accept whatever answer. You <laughs> and part of the hard part is having a uh, part of that customer experience is sometimes having a real honest conversation with somebody and letting them know, listen, we can appreciate what you want to accomplish, but the things that you want to do are not going to deliver the outcome that you want. Right. And sometimes that's kind of hard to hear from a customer's perspective to hear yeah. that you're, you're wrong. You know, so it's it's this weird balance of okay, we can we can go ahead and deliver in the short term on the the experience by just uh, you know saying yes to whatever the you know the orders are. Hmm. Or we can get a little skin in the game. We can invest in a partnership and a shared result or a shared outcome. And yeah. I think that part is is the way that if you looked at the way business was done, you know, even just a few years ago, transaction complete. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'm I'm your sales guy or your sales gal. Uh, yeah. Support support numbers over there. We're done. I already. Yeah, I, I got my uh, my my check cleared on terms of my uh, right. commission on the sale. You know what I'm hearing, which I, I love hearing, Rich, for your, for your sake, and, and this gets a lot to the enablement aspect. Your folks on the inside that you're working with, inside sales, they really do have to have more of themselves in those in those calls. So they, they, they have to be attuned. They have not only have, maybe have a few things on the script, but beyond the script, there's um, keen listening and probably they can have the client up on the web. They can see what, what they do and how they do it and all the rest. But it's, 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 it takes some brain work to, uh, to deliver what you just described as the uh, digital velocity uh, outcome. Mm -hmm. am, I, am I right in that guess? Yeah. And when you say, you know, the, the brain power that it takes, um, I, I'm going to I'm going to often credit you on, on this a little bit here with our human beings being organization. I know we come back to that every time we talk. <laughs> we really do. But that, I just want you to understand how impactful that was, because when you look at what a, an organization is, it's a collection of people. Right? right. And if we ignore the people aspect of the business, then that's a, that's a huge miss. So to me, I, I equate that to this, uh, this notion of seller EQ or emotional intelligence. And it's a, that's kind of a hard thing to wrap your head around sometimes if that's, if you're not in the practice of practicing, you know, emotional intelligence. Exactly. And, and, and it, it's a huge thing because what the uh, person on either on the other end of the Zoom call or the other end of the headset where they're doing their talking to them by phone, they have, um, as we all do as humans, almost instantaneous impression of who they're talking with. Just like I think I read an article, something less than a nanosecond. They've already. Uh, started to key themselves up to whether they want to have any more time with this person or whether they want to either hang up or or move on. And, and, and it's a big challenge. And I just tested it when I called this carrier before our Zoom call and told them I wanted more speed. And uh, right away, I, I heard someone who's, who wanted to have a little more information, why I needed about in case I really didn't need it. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I like that. 
and I've had how many of these calls as an old guy, they can tell I'm an old guy where they're going, Oh, okay. Yes, sir. And, and it's huge. It's human to human connection, probably more intimate in some ways, since we're looking at each other on the screen and hearing each other's voices than if I were standing in the counter in a, one of your former employer's stores, you know, talking about a cell phone. Uh, so uh, let's go to the, what you do now, what you're organizing and designing to not only bring new people on or bring up this, the uh, level of acumen for the folks who are there, but perhaps help them further understand this notion of velocity. <laughs> sure. So, um, as I mentioned uh, earlier, the the role was brand new. Uh, there was really sort of a like a there's a sort of an outline of what needed to happen and what needed to what we needed to accomplish and some short term goals that I kind of picked up and, and ran with that I, I truly enjoy. Uh, but the bigger picture and what we're what we're finding out about this is. Uh, the scope is kind of expanding a little bit, and we're finding that there are other opportunities uh, that I can I can start to influence, or so other areas of the organization that we can, you know, upskill or provide just a little bit more context, or a little bit more confidence, or mm -hmm. drive a little bit more awareness. So, what what I consider my role is is as I've said before, it's it's a couple of things. Primarily, I'm a facilitator of knowledge transfer from our, our, our subject matter experts to the folks that are the ones interacting with the people uh, every single day, right? Reaching out to those customers, mm -hmm. whether it's on the phone or Zoom or email or which you know, carrier pigeon, whatever they like to do. <laughs> so how, how do I take something that is uh, invariably technical and challenging? And for somebody like me, it's even that is still behind this you know, Wizard of Oz kind of curtain. Mm -hmm. I don't understand all the inner workings. So how do I take those outcomes, the things that we try to accomplish, and then translate that into something a inside or a field salesperson can understand and then start to run with? Wow. So yeah, we, we've got these, and again, sticking with this idea of practice, you know, we have these practices within our organization, like these, these pillars of practice that we do, whether it's, you know, a cloud or uh, cloud or cloud native sales, or maybe you're interested in automation or artificial mm -hmm. intelligence, all those really cool. And I'll take the word and run with it, the bleeding edge things, okay. um, you know, all that really cool stuff that you hear about. Well, that's what we do. So how do we demystify it and then turn it into something that you can talk about another regular person with, whether it's a small business owner, like a mom and pop shop, or it's a school principal, or you know somebody working in uh, a small town like you and I grew up in. So that's right. uh, you know that's I think that's kind of the coolest thing. That's that's the challenge that I'm trying to figure out. So you're translating technique. Uh, Technies, you know, what your what your subject matter people they can rattle off to each other in their own language faster than the speed of words, uh, and then you have a person who has to be a, uh, in 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 between them and your ultimate customer and has to have you have sort of not necessarily dumbed down, but you have to retranslate into words that they understand initially, and then they take them to heart and they can test them out and they can get some, some coaching on it. And then when they're on the phone with principal Jones, 
they're listening to Principal Jones' way of explaining things uh, about what he needs for his uh, in, to uh, increase the uh, let's say hybrid, put hybrid capacity in his classrooms now that we've gone through the pandemic, and and. Now, in that person then could get the next call from someone altogether different, or do they have uh, channels that they tend to work in so they become more proficient in the language of a particular channel like public sector organizations or uh, manufacturers? Yeah, so we're so let me throw one other confounding factor in there for you too, and then and then I'll answer your question. Not only do I have to translate it, but I also have to, um, I have to demonstrate to them or at least provide some value in the sense that this is a good idea for you to talk about, right? This Uh, is going to benefit you in some way. So I I haven't really moved out of a sales role. Um, I'm still selling ideas to people. Um, That's still one of the things, but uh, so I I hope that I just want to add that one clarifying piece to that. But as far as the way that, that we operate, we're stratified in, in, into segments like K to 12 and and high ed. So if you work with somebody that, you know, if you're, if you're a a principal or superintendent or a Dean, um, somebody calls you from our organization, they specialize in your segment or your vertical. That's good. That at least get that piece. Correct. Yeah. So, so they don't need to learn how to talk to a small business owner and a large CEO of a fortune 100 and Mm -hmm. uh, a university system. They, they focus specifically. And again, this kind of honing the practice in that sense uh, really allows them to, to get really deep into, you know, what's, what's meaningful to that segment or to that vertical. Yeah. Yeah. So on that side, they're gaining, um, expertise awareness cultural sensitivities all those all those great things oh, yes. which kind of come as a piece what is it you're bringing to them that's new then other than the technical explanations of a particular new process you're doing when it comes when you said you know you're kind of still selling an idea and i think that's what you told me when we first reconnected this whole idea of digital velocity is it's not a campaign it's a reality right but that's the secret sauce that they have to uh, to get well part of part of the message i try to convey is that listen we we got to where we where we are as an organization right now on the 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 back of that logistics network and the the capabilities that we have to provide the hardware and the software and the peripherals, mm-hmm. right? So let's let's not pretend that that's not an important part of our business. It truly right. is. But what part of what we've seen as a uh, as a larger organizational practice is this kind of idea of looking around corners and Ah. seeing sort of what's the next big thing? What is the next uh, sort of groundbreaking technology? And what's really great about working where I do now is the the leaders of this organization are very open-minded to seeing, you know, hey, what, what is the next big thing? How do we support uh, these customers better, right? Because we know the status quo is not going to be uh, a place that we want to stay, right? And and that's the thing is if you are not adapting and you're not evolving, then mm. well, you're fading, 
Are you talking about me now? Is no, that never. Are you get? Are you talking? Oh, I know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I know that I actually experience what it is to, to fear obsolescence, and that's partly why I'm so happy to be uh, working on this practice theme because uh, otherwise. Uh, didn't you used to be Dave Furin? You know, no, I still am. But the same would be true of CDW because we know some companies with initials, one starting with an I and followed with a B and an M. Yep. It may be around, but is it is it around and is it top of mind? Uh, they were very big getting us into all this, uh, all these wires and boxes and so so forth. And they probably still are around. But uh, the next big thing could be coming from three guys who who met at MIT and over beers came up with an idea. So that's kind of the new competitive marketplace. So I, I'm, I think it might be really exciting for you to be in the conversations uh, around the digital philosophy and to uh, say, this is what's coming. And I suspect that if I were uh, a, a really progressive principal in that elementary school, um, I would be the one who would be on the phone uh, on Zoom saying, you know, we have a couple of instructional challenges that could really be uh, assisted. We have some disabled kids who have this and so forth. And I know the kind of equipment we have now. And thank you for that. But is there anything coming down the pike that will make it easier for this, you know, hearing challenge or whatever to uh, to, to stay with the lesson? And maybe that that request gets fed back into the system in some way there's feedback that says hey we had a really cool conversation with a principal and there are a lot of kids out there who at this point seem to be to say you know have hearing issues is there something out there and if so could we be the first to you know tee it up mm -hmm. well and and to what you just described there is the ideal relationship between the people that i support and the the customers that uh, leverage our services and our capabilities. That is the ideal outcome. We want to, we want you to see us as the trusted advisor and the trusted partner. Mm -hmm. So in, in the event that, you know, the, the idea that you have that you want to bring to your school system or to your business is the right idea, then yeah, you've got the support and you have the backing and the expertise that you need. But also on the opposite side of that, if Hey, you know, great, great call or great question, Mr. or Mrs. Customer. We've actually dealt with that. We understand what you're dealing with. Uh, and here, here's what we've learned. And here's why that might not work out so well for you. So we can provide the guidance. And to I, I think the at the core of it is the, you know, what is the customer's customer experience, whether we're private or public sector. That's yeah, a great but, way to think. Right. So there, there's that aspect to it. Um but then, you know, again, are we are we playing that role of the trusted advisor? Yeah. Now, um, we could spend six hours on this, and I'd still want to learn more from you, Rich, because you're really, you really are. Uh, uh, you're not a canary in the mine. You're 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 the eagle. You're the eagle at the top of the tree right now, from my standpoint. So about about you know your your career also where your industry is going. But uh, there, there is, um, uh, it does cross my mind that the, the recruiting and retention of the people you need to have in those roles is, is pretty critical. Um, how is that going? Uh, 
A and B, do they work mainly remotely or how, how have you made sure that you've, because this is a big issue right now, retaining, recruiting and retaining. Uh, and I'm what I'm hearing you is that if they're going to come to work at C, uh, CDW, they're going to want to be well regarded and well compensated, but also you'd want them to be pretty special too. Yeah, so the the talent pipeline is always one of those things that we, we've got to keep an eye on because when you, you again thinking about what's coming around the corner. Um, it, interestingly enough, I, I remember reading an article not that long ago about um, since you mentioned some you know legacy uh, <laughs> legacy computer vendors there, um, they needed a a person who is an expert in cobalt, which you know, oh, yeah. right, right? I mean, we're talking about something that was. 60 a language that's like 60 years old now or something yes it is so i had to learn cobot and fortran for my phd believe it or not <laughs> no i believe it but now i think about try, how do you find an expert in that now right well you go to a graveyard <laughs> used to do fortran <laughs> right but if but then again if you think about you know here's one of those things where it, it, you have to consider uh, looking around the corner uh how many organizations are still on some of those old IBM mainframes? How many? Oh, uh, yeah, a whole lot, particularly school, uh, public schools, uh, municipalities, yeah. um, perhaps maybe not hospitals. They've had a huge incentive to upgrade. But, um, yeah, that's true. And there still may be some people who program in basic, uh, you know, Bill, uh, tip of the hat to Bill Gates. Uh, right. uh, so, yeah, you've, you've got um, almost a generational uh, perspective here to right. do what you do with those folks who are, are going to be receiving that inside sales call. Right. So, so to, to kind of keep going down this, the, the road that you, you started here, uh, we have, there's a, it, it starts with the culture of the organization. It, it's a, it's truly a, a great place to be. And it's, it's funny because you know, turnaround or turnover in a sales organization, any aspect of sales, it's usually quite high. Yes. But what I really love about working at CDW is that I see so many people that might try something else. They might see, hey, hey, that looks like a cool opportunity at a partner or cool opportunity that I want to try here or there. And hey, maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. But the, the good thing is there's so many people that come back to CDW and are like, oh, hey, there you go. it was great. You know, and what I really enjoy is the fact that people don't begrudge that. If you're looking at another uh, another role, another opportunity somewhere, nobody begrudges you that because yeah, that's a very big cultural change. Then very very it important. Is. It is so we have we have factors like that, and then you combine it. And I know I know you'll appreciate this one with the work you did with Travelers and, and Central back in the day. Uh, we have an incredible intern program that we support. Uh, uh, I was lucky enough. You can see the the picture right behind me here. That's my group of summer interns that I took through our training program in uh, 2019, and I'm still in in touch with uh, with many of them today. Um, That's great. So where are you located? Uh, you, you did this here in Connecticut? Correct. Yeah. We worked out of our Shelton office. Oh, that's right. You have, and you have offices all, I assume all around Correct. the country, but in you, in, in the main, main one is, did you tell me once that it was somewhere in Chicago. transition? Yeah. Yeah. 
Chicago. Chicago, man. Uh, what about those White Sox? Uh, <laughs> I think they just got eliminated by a team called the Guardians, and I'd never heard of them. I remember this morning I was watching the news of my wife. I said, who are the Guardians? She said, see the first part of that? Cleveland. They don't call them the you know what's anymore. So change, ain't it great? And, and it's all about humans being, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, you, you see the interns. Uh, uh, are you guys moving back to them having to be in an office or are you able to have a remote workforce to do this work? Uh, it's it's hybrid. We, we do a combination. So what's, what's, again, what's really nice about this organization is that we know it's not a one-size-fits-all, okay. whether, whether we're talking about a coworker or a customer. Um, you know, because, again, at the, at the end of the day, when I think about my previous role as, as the trainer, my customer was the, the coworker, right? So I had to think about who, who am I serving and how am I, how am I showing up? So, you know, what worked out nicely over the pandemic has been this hybrid model. I remember the day very, very clearly. It was Friday the 13th, 2020. I had just finished our latest onboarding class and four o'clock on a Friday, we're over here talking saying, Hey, great. So starting on Monday, you're going to come in and we're going to do go onto the sales floor and you're going to be sitting with your managers and your coworkers and your peers. And then 430 rolls around and they're like, Oh, by the way, you're working from home starting Monday. Yeah, what a change. Oh, a man. huge, uh, major, major. No, we couldn't have seen that coming. Uh, so so that I think that the, if someone were listening to this now and thinking, hmm, you know, that's a role that I would, I, 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 could, I could learn that role or I could, I'd like to move to that role from the, my inside sales experience now. They could work 100% from home if that accommodated the fact that perhaps there's children or whatever involved or they uh or would they be required to come into the office a couple of days a week uh so i i, I can't speak to what might change but currently there is no formal requirement to be yeah. in the office but many of our more junior coworkers do because yeah. they then get to experience this they, this incredible culture they want the bonding so i i think i was kind of pushing this toward the end of our call now because the challenges for people who are in your role, training and uh, and uh, and uh, enabling, have had to do an awful lot of it using this technology that we're using right now. This happens to be Zoom, and there was some adaptation there. Uh, and I, I know you've become very proficient at it, haven't you? I have. Yeah. The, the, that about face that we had to do in, in 2020 was interesting because it, it, you know, for the, the two, the two years I had been doing the job, I had been the instructor delivering to yeah. the learner. On the and then, yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden the instructor also becomes the learner again. Yeah. And, and not that I, I've ever stopped the, the learning behaviors that I do, but now I had to, I was very proficient with, uh, you know, working in a classroom, just, you know, just like we had at Central and delivering the content and making mm -hmm. an engaging experience and making sure by the end of the day, we had specific learning outcomes accomplished. Yeah. Well, well, now 
all of a sudden we have this electronic barrier between us. And I don't know if you're paying attention or I don't know if you're disengaged or if you're you know, behind the camera rolling your eyes at me or whatever those things might look like. So I now had to relearn all of my motions in the classroom and then turn this virtual classroom into an engaging, exciting, and a, uh, an experience that you want to be part of. So now you're also coaching your subject matter folks who are going to be in between. You're going to be facilitating. So they have to get better and better at using the uh, both on the floor and in the air. Um, but it's going to it's going to work because you are one sharp dude. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> so we, we are out of time for this call, but I, I want to keep tracking you down. I want to I want to hear how. Since we've only been at this a few months, I want to hear how this is flowering and what are some of the lessons you're learning. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you ever get wind of anything that's the next big thing, you know, whisper it into my ear. I've always had a, a yearning to know the next big thing of anything. <laughs> Got it, Doc. Absolutely. Okay, Rich. Rich, very, very good conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to The Practice Podcast, where we discuss practice with a capital P. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic, and Apple Podcasts, or go to inactionresearch.com slash podcast dash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to inactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Oh, and, and one more thing. How could I forget? The book, On Practice as a Way of Being, is available now in digital form, something that would be new, like podcasting for many of us. And it's a, a great way of learning more and more about what this podcast presented when Peter Vale and I originated it several years ago. So please come to www.mylibrary, one word, dot world slash practice, and you'll see what I mean. Thank you. <laughs>